This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is a good one. Hello, you guys. Welcome to Love Alexi. My name's Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast. And my guest today is Casey Coop. Casey's a comedian and a stripper. And we talk about so many incredible things in this episode. Uh, we talk about sex, love, alcohol and drug addiction, using sex and men for validation, sobriety, embracing sexuality, stripping, demystifying the stigma that's attached to stripping. We talk about post-election racial and gender tension, people-pleasing, blurred lines, white privilege, double standards, shame, sex work, self-worth, moving slower sexually, writing for Playboy, daddy issues, mommy issues, relationships between women and being pitted against one another. Uh, we talk about the difference and separation uh, of stripping, escorting, and porn, and not feeling particularly sexual post-election. So there you go. It's chock full of very interesting things. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Casey Coop. You should check out her episode of Girls Talk. There's uh, the show um, on ID. You can find it on idvice.com. I'll include a link in the description of the show uh, where she talks about sexuality and stripping. And I do have to say, Casey and I... We both talk very fast. This whole podcast episode is a wild romp. You might have to slow it down and listen at half speed to understand what we are talking about. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Anyways, if you like this podcast, the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. Let's be friends, you and me, on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, at Alexi Wasser. And please send me emails uh, about how you're feeling post-election, about whatever it is going on in your life, as you know, if it has to do with dating, love, relationships, sex, feelings, family, whatever it is, a question, a comment, send them in to dearlovealexi at gmail.com, and I will read those emails on the air. But now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with comedian and stripper Casey Coop. Now entering... Nerdist.com. Here she comes. Yes. Oh my God, we're like a. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. Good. Thank you for doing this. Hi, I'm Casey. Aristotle. 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 Yeah. That's your. That's your chair. I've been here so many times, but never up here before. Isn't this is cool? this is like I feel like I was let up in like the cool kids like um treehouse kind of like that's how i feel it's like whoa you I guys have this rad treehouse happening it took me so i used to be so nervous like to come in here 
and yeah. to like and to do the podcast where I'd like panic. And I didn't know Aristotle and I'm very shy in front of people I don't believe it or not, people I don't know very well. So I would just get so panic stricken coming up That's here. So funny. Let but me turn off my phone. Turning off our phones. Silencing. Yeah, silencing. Choo 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 choo. Cool. Um Yeah, I just I've been around comedy for a little while, but not up here. So not up here. Welcome. The hidden spaces. It's exciting. Welcome to here, girl. Oh, my God. So how do we meet? Tell me, because I just met you. <laughs> and tell the listeners how we met. So I, as well as you, got um, the amazing chance to spend a night at a girls' talk dinner. G-U-R-L-S talk, um, put on by Adwa Abba. Who's, I can't believe um, you can, Yeah, that's her name. How do you know her? I just know her through the internet. So That's so, how I know like half the people they, I know and yeah. gotten half the things I've gotten or more. Yeah. The internet's great. The internet can be great, guys. <laughs> yeah, people sh- people shit on it a lot, but the internet is like it's like my portal to success. <laughs> no, I, I know her because um Girls Talk did a documentary series, um, a three parter, like ten minutes each, um, just exposing different facets of female sexuality within Los Angeles. It was for ID magazine, which is a British magazine under Vice. And they contacted me because of my Twitter, because I am a stripper and I write a lot about um, just I, I'm, I'm a comedian. So I make like a lot of feminist jokes and I'm a stripper now as of the last year and a half. So that kind of transitioned to sex work and feminist jokes. And then I got a column for Playboy writing about it. So the good gospel spread apparently to over the pond to Great Britain. Oh, my so, goodness. So, I got really lucky. So, and how would you describe to our audience what that night was all about? Because I had never heard of Girls Talk. And it has a, mm. it, uh, what is this community all about? Just uh, Basically, um, it's just, I think, Adawa, she's the same as me. We were both sober. We got sober um, for her two years ago, for me a year ago, a little longer than that. Um, but both of us struggled with self-worth, depression, addiction, um, all those things being very intricately combined. And after we both got sober, she came out and realized her purpose was to help women. I love that. Amazing. So she wants to set up these safe spaces for women to talk with women and empower one another. And like, that's so on board with everything I've always been about. And my purpose I always felt was to help women. Even with my comedy, I always wanted to be like, smash the patriarchy in these subtle, funny ways. So it was so on board with her vision and and having gone through depression and suicidal attempts and suicidal thoughts. I think we both like relate a lot about that, Adwa and I. Um, and yeah, just get girls talking, like strengthening one another. Yeah. Because I don't know, I notice at least like in any uh, gender mixed setting that girls, we kind of quiet down. And we change, we shift mm-hmm. sometimes and, and at, the, at each other's expense almost. I, I've seen yeah. myself do this in the past where like I have misogyny mm-hmm. in me towards other women. Yeah. That I wasn't even aware of where, let's say, totally. there'd be like four girls and a guy we all maybe thought was cute or something. And all of a sudden we're like cutting each other down. Yeah. It's a subconscious thing. But then, and it's so subtle because it's so subtle. We, don't, we don't a lot of time realize. we don't even realize we're doing it. I don't even realize I'm doing it because I'm like fucking pup, felt my chest feminist. But like there are subtle ways when I catch myself, my internalized misogyny come out. And it's still it's scary because... You, it's like sickening that we've been like brainwashed our whole lives all for me 28 years of brainwashing to to see other women as competitors and I have to unlearn that I feel and then you, but you also meant that we diminish ourselves to you're going in the other direction where not only do we yes. compete with other girls mm-hmm. when we're around and we turn on each other but then another aspect of of what we do is 
around men, it's like they're allowed to exist. They're allowed to thrive. They're allowed to be the great ones. And then we kind of mm. get smaller. Yeah, they Is take it- up space. They can man spread their legs and like they get to talk over us. I always hated that growing up because I grew up in a very male dominated household. I had brothers and a dad. My mom was raised by her brothers and dad. So it's very like kind of like I wasn't raised with as many um as much of a female role, like so I'd, when, when I'd go to school and the guys would talk over me or I'd mutter a joke under my breath. And this happened a lot. I, I was a class clown. I'd mutter a joke. The, the guy sitting next to me would repeat it louder and the whole class would laugh. Oh, no. And it happened so often and I hated it because like, yeah, I did say the joke loud. That's how I got voted close class clown. Like I always said it, but sometimes I'd whisper it because <sighs> like, I'm such a loud mouth. I'm like, I need to be quiet right now. But then the guy would steal it. And like. So it's just like you learn, like, oh, we're supposed to be quieter. They're supposed to take the limelight. They take up more space. Like, we shrink. I watered myself down for a long time. Even though I'm a very out there and bright and colorful and loudmouth, opinionated person, I know there's lots of ways that I've watered myself down. And that was, like, killing me, you know, when I was really depressed and really in my addiction. What were you addicted to? Um, I'm an alcoholic. Definitely some drugs mixed in there. And sex addict. Really? I feel like I definitely... I wonder, what is sex addiction, actually? Because I wonder if that's Mm. what (laughs) I was. Because I know that, like, for me, I didn't realize... I don't know if this is sex addiction or love being a love addict. It's but the same I would, thing because the program that you go to for it is called Sex and Love Addicts sex Anonymous. And love, but I wonder if, if I'm either. But I definitely – here's what my experience would be. I would just seek validation, want to cast spells on men, want to get them to like me and then and then have sex so quickly because mm-hmm. I don't know. That was my way of – I don't know. Bond, I, you, I, like, just, I think – Honestly, I'm no fucking expert in any of this. All I know is, like, I was using sex in a way that was really damaging to my soul. I felt... Like how? It wasn't fun. It was fun at first. But there was a couple years where I just started doing it compulsively with strangers. Like, a lot of one-night stands. A lot. And, like, I felt so empty afterwards and empty the next day. And I and the guys were getting uglier. Ah. Like, uglier and uglier. <laughs> Some ugly ass motherfuckers in there. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, no. I look, I'm like, okay, that was purely for validation. Now that I look back, I'm like, oh, that was purely for validation. Because um, I think just doing it for any other reason than that you like the person or you connect with the person or you have chemistry with the person. I don't really know. I just felt really fucking empty. Because I would take a drink, alcoholism, and then I'd become obsessed with finding the next drink, finding drugs, and finding a guy to fuck, all in that order, every night. It got really vicious, and it was really scary, actually. I'd end up places I didn't want to be in, dangerous places. I'm alive, thank God, but yeah, I just, I used men for validation for a really long time, and it's taken me these last 16 months of sobriety and working hard to, like, come out of my sex addiction as well because that one's like sex and love addiction I think is a little more it's it's more subtle because with alcohol and drugs it's you're using or you're not using yeah with sex and love I mean it's not like you can just become like anorexic toward either you want to find a balance because you still want to have it in your life in a healthy way though Mm -hmm. so what do you how are you doing that um, Have you been celibate or what, what's the deal? I, How does that work? You know what? I started my sobriety celibate. I was like trying to be pure, like, okay, yeah. no sex for a year, which is like such an absurd thing, but such an extremist addict mentality. I said the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to date for a year. Yeah. But, uh, and that doesn't help anything, by the way. It does. Yeah. I felt like I needed to say that because I felt like I was so into 
dating and flirting and being hooked into a guy somehow mm-hmm. all the time, even though I was single or maybe I wouldn't even be having sex, but I was always like just hooked into a flirtation or yes, some kind of thing. A where fling, I, like a fling, some, text thing, some kind a of sexting. Thing. So I thought like I have to make this blanket statement that I'm not going to have sex or I'm not going to date and I'm not going to drink for a year because I guess the dating and the sex was more uh, like important to me than the drinking because that's something I... I had more of a problem with it was, it was the, flirt, the, the flirting and men and, and uh, oh yeah, I being boy crazy. Like, yeah, boy crazy. Is yeah, exactly. Oh, but uh, and I had to make the statement because if I didn't make such a blanket statement and be so bombastic about it, then I would forget. I would I would I would probably just accidentally flirt with somebody or make out with somebody at a thing and go. Oh, oh yeah, gosh. whoops, I forgot that I made that <laughs> pact with myself. But okay, so go on. I don't know. I just, I've gotten to the point now I have a boyfriend and this is the first one. I think I told you this the other night, my first boyfriend in the last five and a half years. So that's crazy for me. Who is this? How did you, how did you negotiate the, so you haven't had alcohol and then how did the going to love sex? uh, You know, I don't go to Slaw, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I do know a lot of people who do and I completely recommend it to anyone who thinks they might have a problem. Uh, with love or sex addiction in any way, if they think they're using either unhealthfully or codependent or whatever, it, that's all tied together. Um, you know, I work a different program um, and it's helped with just to work out a lot of my addict behavior toward anything. Because like, look at my arms. I'm covered in tattoos. I'm addicted to tattoos. I just got more yesterday. Oh, wow. I'm addicted Those to... Are nice. <laughs> Thank you. They're is, crazy. Is that not okay to be into tattoos? I don't know. Is everything an addiction? Are phones an addiction? <laughs> Coffee's an addiction? Breath- okay. Breathing air is an addiction? <laughs> you know, I, I just feel like I'm an addict personality. You know, obviously the thing is though, what they always say is whatever is making your life unmanageable. So if like my sex addiction got to the point where my life was completely unmanageable, my alcohol and drug addiction was completely unmanageable. What were the drugs? Um, I was more just into like cocaine and Molly toward the very end. Um, I was extremely like suicidal and it was, I felt that I was becoming like this close to like putting a fucking needle in my arm. Cause that's the start of the, the kind of crowd I started to run with and I had no will left to live, and it got very, very scary, and I didn't care anymore. How did this happen? How, like, where were you born? Um, I'm from Oregon, um, born and raised in a little town in Oregon. What town? Uh, Canby. Canby. Um, and then when did you move? I'm like, I got nothing to say about Canby, no, that- so we're moving on. <laughs> no, but, uh, and then, and then how did you end up? Sad town. <laughs> oh God, so we're not, we won't speak anymore. Of it. But uh, how did? So how did you end up in Los Angeles? Like, so- when did you come here? It was um, five years five years ago this month. I moved here for stand up comedy, and I'd only tried stand up a couple times. But I just like I'd always wanted to do it, and so I'd read all these comedians' books. I'm like, okay, I'll move to a big city. Just I took uh, Rob Delaney's advice: read all the time, write all the time, perform as much as you can, move to New York or L.A. if you can. Oh, be, you write his book? Be nice. That's his, he wrote a book. Rob um, Delaney wrote a book. He wrote. Um, a Tumblr post about it. Someone asked him, like, how do you become a comedian? And he just gave, like, a couple simple advice. And I was like... And I read some comedians' autobiographies, saw what they did. Who are your favorite comics? Um, Kathy Griffin. I love her, too. I think she's so underrated. She's no so one ever great. names her. I just think... I don't know why people are so... I don't even think people are anti-her, because I, I love her so much. I'm going to tune those amazing. people out. I just like... She knows what she's good at, and she's so hilarious, and she's, she's so entertaining so and sharp. And Cher loves her, and I love Cher oh, so yes. much. I think Cher They're is such like a badass. Besties. I know. So how how could she be uh, Whenever bad? I see their relationship, I just always pictured myself like me and Lady Gaga, like one Oh, day. my God! <laughs> 
like will be the Kathy Griffin share relationship of the future. Oh my god, yeah. There's this woman named Lori Rodkin who shares best friend uh, aside from Kathy Griffin, and uh, Lori mm. Rodkin used to be Brad Pitt and uh, and just like all these major meg- like megastar movie stars manager Lori Rodkin and okay. she's she looks she looks kind of witchy kind of like Cher and she's got dark oh, hair and and, yes. and like mahogany lipstick and she's just like a fucking <laughs> badass I don't know if she has a boyfriend if she's married or if, if she's been married a million times or whatever mm-hmm. but I look to her and I look to Cher and I see the the life they're living and they, oh. they just look like they don't give a fuck they're queens they're, they're like what how old are they 60 or 70 or something and they're fucking traveling. They don't give a fuck. They're stylish. Oh. They look witchy. They look like these rock oh. and roll rebels. And I'm like, those are my my spirit guides. I want to be Lady Gaga's bestie and just like grow old with her as as like <laughs> best friends and get little dogs together and like sleep around when we're just old as fuck together. Now we're back to sleeping around. Oh, oopsies. We've, we've, we've come so far. We've come so far. I can't believe this. But uh, okay, so you come here at 23 years old. You love yes. Kathy Griffin. Who else? You read Rob Delaney's Tumblr post. Who else? Oh my God. Who my else did you love? There's too many. Eddie, Joan Rivers? Eddie Pepitone. Oh, of course, Joan. She's Eddie... unquestionable. But Eddie Pepitone. Yeah. Um, He follows me on Twitter now. He... Shout out Eddie Pepitone. Oh my God. He should, uh... he should shout you out. <laughs> it's the times. I was so flattered just because I, he's a sweetheart in person. You know, like, I didn't know if you, he's like, I don't even know who that is. Oh my gosh. He's a genius. This is about you, but okay. Tell me, um, tell me a little bit about Eddie <laughs> I'm Pepitone. I'm just going to talk about my <laughs> diehard love of Eddie Pepitone. That's no, great. I just love comedians who get very angry and righteously so on stage and he just like, he'll let it out. But then off stage, he's just a fucking sweetheart. He's older. He has, um, the bitter Buddha is a documentary about him. I think on Netflix. Um, he's just, he's just a genius. He's so, so smart politically. And that shit is my favorite. Yeah. I love people that are politically involved and attuned. Um, so Bill Hicks, of course. Um, Sarah Silverman, I'll oh always God, love her. I love her so much. She's just like, she's come up against so many walls, so much bullshit. But she just like effortlessly hair flicks through it, I feel. Has she come up against walls? What are her walls she's come up against? I always feel like she's like flourishing. She is. Um, I just think as like a female comedian. I don't know. I read her book, The Bedwetter, and it f- I felt like she just got a lot of shit. Well, she also she struggled with depression as a teen and went through a really dark phase as well. But just like sometimes she says certain jokes that people take very literally and then they're like, she's being offensive. And it's like, I don't really think she's being offensive. I don't know. I guess that's just like a comedian's journey. Or if a man said them, they wouldn't be bummed. Yeah, yeah, because she's a woman. I just think as a female comedian, it's just like you're just faced with lots of shit. I was listening to her on something, uh, I think on Mark Maron's podcast, talking about how, you know, she, everybody asks her about not having a kid because she's kind of aged out of of having Mm -hmm. a a kid. People casually ask her about it, like it's uh, not a big deal. And she was like, you know, it's like difficult to talk about this. It wasn't (sighs) an easy decision just to like decide, I guess I'm not going to have kids and whatever. And, uh, it's such a personal situation to be in to be a woman that's and, true and like and then go okay and, and not be able to it's a thing you have to think about you know you reach a certain age and if you and then you just can't have kids anymore and i want a girl who came on my podcast uh, a little while back i think it was ingrid haas she said something so great where she said that she feels like girls in high school it should be like mandatory that 
your high school graduation present or something, uh, you get your eggs frozen. You can freeze your <laughs> eggs. Like, just like freeze some eggs. So it's like, yeah, do that when you're 18. So it's just like put away because it's yeah, something yeah. That we have to. It's something that women actually have to worry about. You know, it's like yeah, uh, and not everybody. Can and then just, they kind of throw famous women women who don't have children under the bus. Or they throw them under the bus if they have kids and try to go back to working a career. And it's just like, it's it's hard. It's not easy. I want, I, I never thought I'd want kids, but I do now. I'm fucking, I'm 28. I mean, you're still really young. I, I was, I still, I want them in my 30s. But then, like you said, we sort of age out of it. But we also have to chase these careers. And like, men who have kids, they have a wife. Uh, men in comedy, I should say, who have children have usually a wife who takes the reins for the child rearing and like if you're a female comedian it's just so much less likely that your husband or your partner will do the child rearing for you while you go out and do open mics and shows like it just doesn't work as much that way what does your boyfriend do um he's very young he's five years younger than he me. is i love this oh my god he's he's, uh, he's 23 he's 23 yeah and his birthday's the day before mine but like five years before oh my god <laughs> so uh What's his story? Um, he's sober as well. He's, how'd, you, how'd you meet him? Um, just through sober friends, super sober community. Um, and it's great. It's great having someone on the same page as you about that. Not that I wouldn't drink or <laughs> wouldn't date a guy who drinks. Yeah, but it's like nice because you get each other and the struggles you've been through. So he's very young. He's not like often like running on a career right now because he's young. He's in school and he's interning. It's so funny. I'm such a cougar. I'm like, he's interning. He's in You're school. Not, don't you think even the word cougar is horrible? I hate that word. I, but I feel like a, a cougette. Like, I've, a always, cougar. <laughs> I've always liked younger guys. I don't know. But I mean, isn't that whole word offensive? I'm not, I'm, I know I feel like everything's so heightened right now. And I don't want to be like, I hate white men. Or, or, I do I don't, hate or, white men. No, I, I do. don't. No, but, it's but okay. That, but that's the wrong way to go because I, I don't want, you know, oh, after the, after the, you know, it's only been like a week since the election, mm-hmm. but uh it was interesting. Like my first reaction was like some white blonde, like blonde white girl blocked my car in. And I was like, I was like, what an entitled fucking monster. <laughs> I was like, who the hell does she think she doesn't? She know now is the time we have to be thoughtful. And she's just fucking acting like some entitled jerk. And then I went, oh, my God, that's my reaction to her. Like blonde hair and, and skin yeah. and I'm a white girl and then yeah. I went I went oh my god the divided the divisiveness of mm-hmm. this outcome has already begun if mm-hmm. I feel that way about somebody who's white and bl- and blonde I don't blame anybody for for uh for feeling how I do uh if, if they look at me and feel a certain way and are angry yeah. I get the anger so I had I felt like oh god if I'm feeling this way about this blonde white girl blocking my car and, and I'm a white girl I can only imagine what the color of my skin represents to somebody like a person of color looking at me and I was like oh my god this is horrible I don't want the world to go this way because that makes me so sad and I wanted to but at the same time I mean like I think there's so much justified anger right now and I know a lot of people are trying to say kumbaya it'll get better have open discourse and there's probably some truth and importance in having open dialogue with people you disagree with or you don't like the way they look like like for me, I just block a lot of Republicans in my family and people off of my various social media because they'll say hateful things at me. But people are like, no, try to converse with them and open their minds. I think there is importance to that. But I also think it's important to give weight to your feelings of anger. Oh, no. Yeah, I I totally agree. I just when we say like when I make a joke and I go, I hate white men like that's not the answer either. You know, like for me, I'm just saying like, oh, I don't want to be that way because that's that's. 
that's going with it. That's a. I have no problem saying I hate white men. I've been saying it long, long before the action. I've been t- tweeting that for the last five years, and it's turned off a lot of people. But <laughs> there's, there's, it's like tongue in cheek because obviously. Oh no, I get. It. I'm, that's why I make jokes and say that. And then yeah. I, but then I try to be responsible, and be like, oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> it's just like because they're good ones, you know. Like just they're like, yeah. good, it's like good people because afterwards, it was just so interesting because I'd walk down the street. Mm-hmm. And I'd see like a white guy or a Latino guy or a, a black man or this or that or whatever and have different experiences, all of them on the street where there's like tension at some points. There was mm-hmm. like laughter and good exchanges depending on like, I don't know. So it was like, okay, people are just people and they're good and they're bad. So I, yeah, it's I just everything be, is heightened right now. I'm feeling that too. Even going to the grocery store, um, I live in like basically a very heavily Latino neighborhood and um, I went to like Target and everyone there was not everyone, but most people there were Latino and I was white. And for the first time of living in L.A. all this <laughs> time, I felt it Yeah, since since the first time I moved here. Because when I first moved here, I'm from Oregon. Oregon's super white and I hated Oregon for that. And I wanted to get the hell out of Oregon because I hated how white it was. Um, so when I first moved here, it was a culture shock. But then I just I don't know. I just felt more at home than I ever did with these redneck bumpkins back where I'm from. But I, I felt it again. And I like to think like, oh, I differentiate myself because I get a lot of tattoos and have colorful hair. I'm like, I hope I hope they know I'm not one of the bad ones. But like it's I don't I'm so ashamed of like of being white now more than ever because, you know, it was white women. Fifty three percent of white women voted for Trump. And like I just have to take responsibility for my white privilege as much as I can right now and try to forfeit it in whatever ways I can. I think that's like. The goal is like, okay, I'm given white privilege because I'm mostly white and I'm passing white. Wait, what are your, what's your background? Um, well, I'm a quarter Japanese. My mom's half Japanese. And then I'm um, German and Irish. But I always just hated being white. So I'm like, oh, at least I'm part Japanese. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I hated being white so much. Why is that? Why? Um, maybe it was just the town I grew up in was very, um, like, hillbilly, redneck kind not, of. Not yeah, and I never fit in. Open-minded. Not it was very conservative, and I never fit in, and I always dressed different, and I never. All my friends were like the like foreign exchange students, or like the gay kids, or the very few kids that were not white at my school. Like those are the ones I always got along with, and like then I was like, oh, and I like I always I've always listened to hip hop music. That's always my favorite, and like I just I hated like all the I just hated everything else. Like I didn't feel like I belonged in it. And like, but you're at Target. Oh you yeah, felt, and you felt it. So I felt it, and I'm like, and what did you this feel? Sucks. I just felt like ashamed that like so many white women, and of course, white men are to blame too. We voted for Trump. Um, I I just feel like white privilege. I didn't appreciate my white privilege my whole life because I was like raised like lower middle class, and I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and put myself through college and all of this stuff, and like. But I do have white privilege. I do. Like, I don't experience racism on a personal level. I never have. And, like, I have to own up to that. I feel like that's this is now my time to, like, disavow it. And, like, if it comes up or just put my neck on the line. Like, I don't know. A couple years ago, I got arrested. Two years ago, actually, for a Black Lives Matter protest, the very first ones. And I felt like that was the first time where I just, like, could put, like, my body in a place where it mattered. And, like, just use my whiteness for something better, you know? Or, like, maybe I can use, like, my social media platforms, like, speaking to other white people. I mean, I have a lot of non-white followers, but just trying to change people's minds. 
I just, ugh, I'm so in resentment about my white privilege and, like, white privilege in general right now. But all I can do is try to, like, use it for something better. Yeah. Ugh, I'm just, I'm so emotional this week. It's I know. That's why it's such a beautiful thing to meet you at the girls' talk yeah. thing that Adwa put together because it was, like, girls of all different sexual orientations, uh, you know, different races, different... Uh, whatever like uh just it was just a really special thing we all came together and everybody was so kind to one another and like yeah know. it was like the only thing that ripped me out of my head last week because i was deep in my the shit of my head that was like depressed and just just wanting to like give up and like hide and like die like it's just i i feel sad for the world right now so it was really good talking to you and to some other people who really just like pulled me out of that and like engaged me in conversation because it was hard. It was really interesting because like the day after, like I had to go get medication or something. I, I had to go to Target the next day. Everybody has to go to Target <laughs> at some point. That was a really weird thing was like when you're like, oh my God, life life goes on. Like I've yeah. got to go get my, I got to go get my medication. And yeah. I was like, I got to go get like water. There's no water in my fridge. And I just thought, I don't really want to leave my house, but yeah, uh, I never want to leave. My house. So I walked outside, and it was just interesting because, uh, you know, and I I walked past many different types of people, and I got I had different interactions with with all of them, and I walked past a, like a a white guy, and um, and I and I made eye contact with him, and I smiled and I said hello because I thought I just want to be kind. I want to like hug everybody. I, all of a sudden, I had this heightened sense of I just want everybody to be okay, and I don't want people to be mean to each other. And I just mm-hmm. I just hope everybody's okay. And I I'm not a person of color. I don't know what it means to to be scared based on just what the color of my skin looks like. But I felt like I just want to I want everybody to be okay. Please, I don't I don't want people to be mean, be mean to one another. So I so whatever. So I passed by this white guy. Is the first guy I passed by on the street, and I smiled at him. And he looks at me, and then under his breath, he goes, "Suck my dick." Oh and I yeah, was like, you said that. And I was like, "Oh my oh god, my really?" God. I was like, "Right now." And then, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "I was, I was, I was like, but I was like, and but I don't even want to be like that. I don't want to be like fuck whitey. I don't want to be like this or that about and like, I just noticing. I'm just paying attention, and what I notice is just like peep. Some people are a certain way, and other people are another way. I passed by. I got in, in a lift. I got in a lift to go to that thing where I met you at the the girls talk thing, mm-hmm. and this black guy. He was black and gay, and we talked about everything, and it was the most kind, wonderful exchange. And we just got on like, and I went, "We're just two people," and it's like that was lovely. And then I passed an African American guy on the street, and he looked me up and down. I was being like, <laughs> like just doing, and I was like, "Okay, so, so I." <laughs> So he's got the misogyny vibe to him yeah. where he's like, he's objectifying me. So it's like, I'm seeing him as a, as a woman being objectified and I can't just c- connect with him as two people walking down the street. Okay, that's interesting. That's what that is. <laughs> but I'm trying to not just be like blanket with, with everybody. But it was just interesting because like at sometimes I felt guilty for what my skin color represents, my, my Caucasian me face, too. what it represents. But then, and then at other times it would shift and be like, I would be angry because I'm a woman and I would be angry at other people, oh my gosh, know, at can- men. So it was just like this this balance of different emotions and different reactions I was having to people I was totally, you know. I had a very similar with. thing. Oh my gosh, I just remembered this. This was the day after the election. It was on the it was on Wednesday, so it was like the tenth. And I went to work at the strip club. And you work at Cheetahs, yes, right? Okay, yes. So 
I did not want to be there. I almost called out, but I really needed the money. I'd called out a night the week before. And so I was like, just just grit your teeth. Just get through. And if you can't handle it, just go hide in the locker room. Just I need money, you know? And I went in and there's <laughs> I said the similar I, I work with men as a as a sex worker. You do? What do you mean? Wait, you call stripping being a sex worker. It is a sex work. Okay, thank sex. you. Sorry. You gotta I'm like a bonehead. You're like teaching me. You're like okay. educating me. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. No, this is great. Okay, yeah. It is sex work. Okay. Um, because you're selling sex um, on okay. a certain level. I'm like so dumb right now. That's no, okay. <laughs> you're like, get with the program, no, dork. <laughs> no, it's just like, it is sex work. And so, um, because what I do is like babysit men and I speak with them and I sell them lap dances. And that's how most of us tripping is. You sit with them, flirt with them, by sell them lap dances. But I found myself having tons of white guilt. And I was my anxiety was through the roof that night, too, just because of everything happening, like Trump winning. It really just set off a lot of my PTSD and a lot of issues. And I ended up, like, having, like, this interaction with, like, these two Latino guys who got real drunk. And, like, I had all this white guilt, so I sat with them longer than I should have. Like, they were starting to get – like, at first they were cool, but I'm sure they were feeling a lot of the same – upset that I was feeling because they were getting real aggressive and like I don't usually there was a couple fights that broke out that night at work and fights never break, break out there they had to throw people out they never throw people out there like just tensions were high yeah but I found fucking, myself yeah, on, sorry. sitting with them longer and putting up with more like I don't let guys touch me because they'll get that's just against the rules but they were trying to get handsy and like then they both went back in the lap dancer with me while I was giving one a lap dance the other just sat there and tried to like put one's on me and it's like no you have to pay $20 if you want to be back here at all like the other dude that I wasn't dancing on like you can't just be here and give me a couple ones so it was like this weird tag team experience and like I just felt all the guilt of my whiteness wait why weren't you being protected by a security guard or something or how uh, come both was, were the bouncer was gone like we have uh, I don't even want to go into okay. it. our bouncer that night was not on point I don't want to have there. to worry about you who is that? They're two tag team in the lap dance room. That, sounds, that does not seem cool. That seems like a weird Drake song that, that, you know, could be very sexy but dangerous. I don't like it. No, it was like, I don't usually ever experience anything like that. I think, like I said, tensions were extra high. But I found myself putting up with more. And then I had to snap myself back into, like, female sex worker empowered role because just because I'm feeling white guilt doesn't mean that men can mistreat me as a sex worker. So it's like, you're just, there's all these weird blurry lines right now, like through everything, through women, people of color, queer people, white men, like where do we stand with each other? What's going on here? And then I had to realize like, what is my heart and my soul telling me? And it's like, you need to get the fuck out of this lap dance room. And then also you cannot fucking touch me and I'm going to end this lap dance here because they're not allowed to touch us. And so it's just like remembering boundaries. Boundaries. So it's hard as a woman because like I'm used to like people pleasing and I've, I've done a lot of work in it. So that I'm not letting men get away with things I'm not comfortable with. But we slide back sometimes. And my white guilt had me sliding back that night. So like you said, it's like... Because you want to overcompensate because you want to be like, I'm not one of the bad ones. I love you. But then it's like, hey, wait a minute. He's a person. You're a person. Maybe he's just a shitty person or he's taking advantage of you Mm -hmm. regardless of the color of his skin. I get, and yeah. I've done that with men before, where it's like whatever the color, and I, you know what, I hate the fact we're talking about so much about like the color of people's skin or no, the this gender. Is important. But this we have is to, important. This is all what's coming to the because we're all like this is talking about stuff because I feel like racism and like being so politically correct was like everything was latent. It's all still existed, but no, yeah. now it's all fucking coming to the surface, and mm-hmm. it's like fuck it, yeah, let's fucking talk about shit. Like anyway, but uh, no. I, I would do that with men where. 
wherever, whatever, where, wherever, whatever the color of their skin, whoever it is I date, because I have no type, I, I will date anybody with a pulse, actually. <laughs> Aristotle knows. <laughs> anyway, but... Me too. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> we're like, oh, God, I'm like, wow. I'm crying. Um, but, uh, but I have a problem sometimes with boundaries, just, just interacting with men I'm dating where I don't even know how to move slowly sexually because even if I'm dating a nice quote unquote unquote, nice guy dating I don't even know if I have the capacity or the ability to wait till like a fourth date to kiss him oh my gosh me too or to have sex on the 11th date is because I feel like it subconsciously as a woman whoever it is I'm dating and I date men I subconsciously think I have to or I've like done, I need this, to give him sex. I used to he's always expecting this. He's oh just, yeah, like, he'll get mad at me. This is weird. It's uncomfortable for me to move mm-hmm. slow because I feel like I owe them sex. Yeah, and that, yeah. I feel the same way. And I think it's been like, even though I like sex, I do like sex. But how yeah, come but, I can't? How come I can't decide when? Yeah. How come I can't just be like? How come I can't say? No, I like you. I just want to move slow. Why can't I kiss on the fourth date? And not be afraid the guy will get mad at me. What's with that? Totally. And with the guy I'm dating now, like, he was the first one in, like, many, many years. Like, my last five years of, in, of L.A. and of most of that being, like, in, like, alcoholism and sex addict. Like, I would never wait to have sex. And, like, then I'd wonder, like, where did these guys go? Like, why do we stop talking? But also, like, I was just Come like. Come back. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to not do it. And of course, I like sex just like the next person, but sex stopped being enjoyable because sex stopped being enjoyable. Stopped because like I started to realize I needed a connection with the guy. Like, oh my god, that's where I'm at. I feel completely dead inside. I felt inside. nothing. When I feel nothing. Them. Yeah. So with my current boyfriend, we waited a whole month of dating. We we went on dates, group you dates. Did? Like we went on outings. We had our mutual friends. We went to parties together, and we enjoyed each other's company. And yeah, we kissed like after a couple dates. And when? How did you do it? Oh, oh, I'm like trying to remember. It was cute. Oh, it's so cute. You have to talk a little slower because I can't understand you. And then I talk as fast as you. And then and then we're just our heads are going to explode. But I talk said, really fast. Me too. And you're, you're oh my god, super. My, my brain to, races. People are going to have to slow this podcast down. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe it. <laughs> oh my god, I uh, I talk really fast. Um, no. so we'd we'd go on these group dates or we'd go on actual just one on one dates, and then. I think it was a couple times into hanging out, he invited me over to his jacuzzi. And he has a jacuzzi? <laughs> yes. He lives with his parents. Oh my god. <laughs> That's okay. I mean it's a really nice home. <laughs> if my parents lived in a home like that, I'd probably live with them. I kinda just want to move in with my mom and like just live with my mom. Do you guys get along? We do. She's my best friend. I love oh, her so much. I wish I had that. I don't have that at all. Oh, but I want to know. I want to know about you slowing, navigating the beginning of this relationship with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I want to know so girls when they hear it feel like they have permission. You to know move what? Slow and how the, the fuck only do you way. Do it? The only way I can say that I got there because I spent five years just insta fucking every guy I'd meet. Like, oh my god, like a crazy person. Men you met on Instagram or just instantly fucking? Oh, instantly fucking. Okay, actually, mostly on Tinder. Oh, ugh. Ugh. yikes. Um, it was dark times. Um, I just before. I met him. I got to, it sounds really hokey and I don't care. I got to a really, really healthy spiritual place where I just completely trusted that I was taken care of. And I had stopped speaking to all the little fuck boys that I'd been texting and having little flirtations with. Um, I had not been having sex for a while. What's Be- a while? Um, it had been about two months, I think. That's where I'm at. 
It, well, that's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> For me too. Oh my God. I'm like, time. who am I? What does it all mean? Yeah. But it was good because I, it sounds weird. I've done a lot of work on myself and spiritually where I just was like, I'm okay and I'm taken care of. And I finally, it sounds so hokey. I don't care. It took me many years and lots of pain to get there. But I just was stopping seeking validation from outside things. And I finally found that like I looked back on like all the years where I had been running amok and chasing guys and running my life into the ground and I realized like I was always taken care of I was always I was surrounded by the love of friends I always had food to eat I had a job a roof over my head like etc and I was like whoa like I don't need a guy to like fix me or fill me and it and that's when I met him so when I met him I was finally at this amazing place where I was like I could take him or leave him so I was open to taking things slow. And I was open to when he would say a thing that would make me, like, question him because I'm used to running the fuck away. I would give him another chance. And then I realized slowly, like, this is a great guy instead of just running away like I always do. And just also because I could take him or leave him, just taking it slow. The last few, like, hookups I'd had before him, I got no enjoyment out of them. They were like... And the sex itself was good. The dicks themselves were good. <laughs> they were very attractive men, but they were guys rebounding from relationships. And it was, I just felt emotionally hungover afterwards. I was like, oh God, I oh, can't do this. That's a great phrase, emotionally hungover. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what? Not drinking for a couple months, I would wake up in the morning and maybe I wouldn't have those those moments you do it when you drink where you wake up and you go, oh my God, what did I say? Did I embarrass myself? Mm-hmm. But I would still wake up the next day having emotional hangovers because you can still, you know, after yeah. sex or, or after makeouts or whatever. Anyway. No, totally. Someone told me that phrase um, earlier this year and I it hit me like a brick. I'm like, whoa, that's how I always feel after one night stands. Yeah. Well, God, how did you end up stripping? Oh, yes, stripping. Okay. You, you come to LA, you're, 20, you're 23 years <laughs> yes. old, you want to do comedy, you move from Oregon, you come here, had you already been stripping in Oregon? No, which is weird because Portland's the strip club capital of the oh, yeah. US. It has a lot of clubs. I'd never been, except for one time a guy dragged me in, but I never thought I'd do it. I always judged it. A I was guy like, dragged is- you in. That sounds horrible. <laughs> a guy dragged you in. A- yeah. yeah, no more of that for either of us, please. Okay, yeah, so okay. Was, that's a story, but I won't go there. I was very young. Um, he ate me out in the bathroom. It was not oh enjoyable. Oh my God. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I was young and people pleasing as hell. Um, <sighs> so I always judged it, and I'm like, that's not a thing. I'm a feminist, and I'd cut my hair off and whatever. But then, like, I slowly, like, through the internet, learned about more about feminism. And that doesn't mean you can't be a sex worker. In fact, that's a, just another f- job you can have, you know? But that's like, a very specific choice. So it's like, where were you at? You're in LA. You're doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Wh- what are you up to? Are you drinking? You're, you're doing yeah. drugs? You're dating? I was bottoming out in like the drugs, alcohol, sex bit. And it was um, about like three and a half years of living here. And that was – so I, I actually got sober three months into stripping. So I was already at my bottom. Like I was already do, like ending up all these places I didn't want to be in. I already wanted to kill myself. But my car went out. I had a really old just beater car and I needed to save up for a new car. So I was like – I'd always been curious about stripping. I'd read books about like where the protagonist was a stripper. I read Jenna Jameson's autobiography. I always looked up to strippers. Amber Rose. NeNe Leakes There's from so The Real Housewives cool of Atlanta. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh my no, Nene Leakes from Real Housewives of Atlanta. She was a stripper. Yeah. Really? Amber Rose. 
I don't know. Courtney yeah, Love. Um, Courtney Love. Another. There's like a lot. There's so many. And like, I just look up to strong women and I always, I've always been hypersexual and like, I'm a big flirt and I love dancing. I was always a dancer when I was younger. So it combined all the things I loved, but I was so scared of the stigma, just like everybody is. Because it's not easy to get into something so heavily stigmatized. But I was like, fuck it. I need a car. I haven't been able to snag a boyfriend in X number of years. I'm just going to do it, save it for a car. And if I like it, I'll continue. If I hate it, I won't. What did snagging a boyfriend have to do with it? Um, The stigma. Because I was like, if I start stripping, there's no way I'll ever have a boyfriend. Oh, but you thought you already didn't have a boyfriend, so who cares? Yeah. Got it. I I was scared because like... Guys, there's a lot of guys who aren't comfortable with girls doing that. They're yeah. jealous, you know, and it's there's stigma related. So, anyways, I was just like, screw it. I did my research online and I auditioned, and I put away a lot of money doing it. Three months into stripping, at Cheetahs, so you started at Cheetahs. Yeah, so it's the only club I've worked at, but they're so good to us there. They're an amazing club. They're just like run by great people. The girls are rad. It's like very like alternative like the girls have a lot of tattoos like it's just a cool club to work for and i'm very very lucky i do feel really lucky i get to work there you say that you that like men have a hard time dealing with that it's funny i i had a blog called i'm boy crazy where i would write about feelings and dating and talk about you know and that had a stigma too it was funny like men couldn't handle me talking about having feelings or a life before then or or I don't know. I think they had an idea of what it was, not even what it really was, because they didn't mm. even want to bother to look at some girl expressing her feelings. They just didn't like the label boy crazy, even though all I meant by that wow. was was the power in which love can make an otherwise calm, normal, cool girl insane. insane. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so I can only imagine, yeah. Fuck yeah, I would take a certain kind of guy. I hope he's cool. On and top good. of that, I'm a comedian. I write on Twitter constantly. I used to just write about like the most grotesque, all my sex stuff. I would talk about oh, everything would. grotesquely. So guys were always like, kind of like kept me at an arm's length because I'd write about them. And then when I got the Playboy column, that what is was that column. What is that column? Um, it's called the Tasteful Nude on Playboy.com. Um, what do you write about? It has since ended. Um, they laid off like 24 people, but I wrote about my life in the club. I wrote a lot about like. The hookups, because when I was early on in it, I stopped sleeping with people from there a long time ago. But I'd meet guys there. I'd sleep with them. Sometimes they were, like, kind of famous. And, like, I... I'd... Oh, my God. This is exciting. People are so bummed <laughs> listening now. They're like, she doesn't sleep with the people anymore? God damn it. They're all, like, ready to go drive to Cheetahs. But, uh, oh, wow, that's exciting. Just, I just write about my life there. And sometimes just my philosophies on sex work and stripping. And just because I learned so much working there, like, it just blew my head away that, like... All these things I heard about sex work and stripping were false. And, like, like I what? learned so much. God, and where do you even begin? The, my first article was called, uh, like, Debunking Myths About Stripping. And, like, just that strippers are stupid. And that, like, I don't know. God, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. It was This was a while ago that I wrote it. Um, but you did it cause, because you love dancing. You, it sounded fun and empowering. And, and, it, was, and it was, and it good, was, and right? the money was good. And the I saved up good. for a car. I paid off my credit card. I've you traveled. Did. I've done things I've never in my whole life been able to do because I grew up without money. And I lived paycheck to paycheck all my adult years, despite having graduated college. You know, what college did you go to? I went to Oregon State. 
So what? What? So the stigma, like uh, I guess, like off the top of my head, from what you see in the media or the, the, the you know, the stigma that you hear is like, oh, their girls are drug addicts, or they, yeah, oh, that too, or they were yeah. they were molested, or yes. they daddy issues, or yes. they're or they're they don't have self esteem or self worth. Yes. Oh my god, you just named all of them. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I Which, talked about all of those. <laughs> whereas where you're coming from, get, correct me if I'm wrong, is a place of I want to fucking pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I want to dance. I like my body. Yes. You're taking control yes. of your body and your life, and you're not going to give a fuck what some stigma that, that some, you know, dick might put up, put upon you, you know, because it's not real. Yeah, all the things you just listed are, are the myths I debunked. Um, And, yeah, like, the daddy issues thing is always interesting because, like, my dad's a really amazing man. I have a lot of mom and mommy issues. But... I, bet, I bet I have way worse daddy issues than you. <laughs> God. But then also the fact that we put shame upon women who do have daddy issues, it's not their fault. Um, look, at there's all kinds of men with daddy issues, like all kinds of musicians who rap or sing about their daddy issues, and we never shame them. But we don't shame the men who are no. paying for the lap dances, do we? Oh, no. Yeah. The, Those they have dudes to are pay. The, yeah. the, the married dudes who are giving you the money, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've been guilty of judging girls who do porn. And I, and I talked mm-hmm. to Dana Darmond, was, in, was a guest on the show, and she's like a huge porn star and... That just made me see shit in such a different way and to come at talking to her, being curious and not judgmental. And it's just like shattered. Mm-hmm. all Because I, I would see women through men's eyes, you know, like as we all have. I mean, yeah. even I have. And so this is so much so interesting to me. So, oh, side note real quick. I, I keep forgetting this. I was talking to a guy and he has a friend who dated a porn star. And this guy said to me, uh, I said, oh, you know, why, why do you think uh, it didn't work out between, I'm not going to say her name, I'm just going to refer to her as the porn star. Why do you think it didn't work out with, with uh, Michael and, and his porn star girlfriend? And our mutual friend goes, well, because she wanted to get married, but like, what did she expect? Of course he was never going to marry her. Who cares if they were together for four years? Oh she, was, she was a porn star. What? And what? I thought, and I thought that was so That's mean, crazy. And I didn't even try to get into it because I didn't want to get in a fight. And he got up and walked away. And I just sat with that. And I went, I went, yeah, 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 okay. And then when I sat, I sat with that, and I went, oh my god. So she should have known, even though the guy was with her for four years, four that, years, that she deserved for him to never fully love her or commit to her wow. because because she's not worthy of that because she's a porn star and deserves to to not be respected because she's not it's, respectable. I mean, and I thought that was so mm-hmm. hurtful and lame. And as this really broke my heart, I don't know. I just wanted to say that because yeah, talking I, about the sex, that's so crazy sex work, sex work industry. So There's, that's, that's crazy to hear and really sad to hear. So um, there are good guys out there who realize that what you do is just a job. And through my job, I've met, um, and before I started working there, I've known like porn stars and I know like, escorts and i know strippers all all different levels of stripper what are um, the different levels well from like where i work like go-go dance club well it's a bikini bar um you don't get fully nude no because la laws you can't have a any alcohol sold unless it's topless or bikini bar so full nude clubs don't sell alcohol in la but they, they're, they're open to like 5 a.m or something but i just say different levels because like i know girls who've done like the clubs where there's extras, aka handjobs, blowjobs, etc. Sold. What? Really? A lot. LA is like notoriously um, not a good strip club city because like there's so much extra sold in clubs. Whereas Portland, the girls, it's like more feminist-run strip clubs. So the girls are a bit more protected, and then you don't have to compete with that. Like at my club, I never have to compete with that kind of stuff. 
What do you mean? Hand jobs, blow jobs, sex. Oh, with other girls at the same club? Like certain girls would yeah. do that? I'm yeah. sorry. You pretend I'm your dorky little sister oh, no. and you're like, you're like, paint by numbers. <laughs> we're like, Alexi learns about sex work today. <laughs> I'm like, there's just like, there's so much to it. And like to talk about it, I'm like, oh my God. It's like, there's too much to unpack almost. So I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to begin. But basically, like, I know a lot of sex workers doing a lot of different types of sex work. And they're not, they're not sticking needle- needles in their arms. Like, you know, like... I definitely struggled with alcoholism, but I also know like people with white collar jobs working on Wall Street who struggled with alcoholism and like pill poppers. And like there's just like if you're that much of like an addict, like working in strip clubs is hard because like then you're not going to show up or you're not going to sell anything like it's just like any other field. Like there's a lot of non-addicts where I work. And so like it's just like regular girls who do it so they can support their art and like whatever they're doing outside there or go to school or just like support their lifestyle and we like it we love what we do like the girls i work with we like flourish on stage like where there's a lot of good dancers it's fun it's it's like so much fun it's better than any i've had a million jobs it's better than any other job it's, i've ever had and i love the movie flash dance so much i don't know if you have you ever seen flash dance yes yeah, a long time ago oh my god i love this movie and like the idea of like a bunch of girls getting ready and they're gonna perform and do their sexy thing and the fucking acrobatics of the thing where you're like you know, I've been to Cheetahs a bunch, and I see the girls mm-hmm. in the pole when they really. They're like, "Holy shit! They're so strong! They're it's like a it's per- amazing. It's, it's a performance. It is. It's a performance. It's and so it's cool. Like, and that is, and I get it. It's like you want to make money. Well, people love. Well, sex sells. People love looking at women. People. It's it's. A lot it's of guys. Hot. A lot of guys tell me they actually prefer that we wear bikinis because. Oh yeah, I, like, I don't know. It's kind of it. It makes it more lighthearted. It makes them feel less awkward, and I don't know. It just like. I I would love to be naked on stage. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem. I've done that before at, at like a private event. But like where I work, it's just um, it is more like a show. And like the guys are like, it's really fun because like then you're just flirting with like hot girls in bikinis. Like and I think like naked clubs are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, so that's just where I work. And that's like got its own like flirtatious thing about it. Since we wear like bikinis, they let us wear whatever we want. So sometimes we wear like silly little costumes. Yeah. Like. It's just like lighthearted, good fun, kind of. And they're women of all different ages, too, at Cheetahs, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. What, 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 do you, what would you say is like the oldest uh, woman there? Ooh, maybe like mid to late 40s. Mid to late 40s. I think so. And these fucking badasses and they're doing their thing. And it's like, essentially, I guess, what is the takeaway? It's like, if a woman wants to do something, it's her body. She's, yeah, she should be allowed to do it. Totally. Everybody can be fucked up emotionally no matter what job they're in. Yeah. And it's about, <laughs> exactly. it's about eliminating the judgment and... Uh, and it's a case-by-case situation where it's like, uh, you know, if a woman is, feels empowered and is healthy and is making that decision, it's coming from a healthy, grounded place, that's yeah. what it is. Most you know? of us, most of the work shift, because it's like kind of dead the first couple hours, it's just me and like a bunch of other girls sitting on a couch, talking shit, looking at our phones, goofing around. It's like most of your time is spent with the other girls being girly and making jokes. Like it's very not what people think. Well, I have a question. Why do you think women's relationships are so much more nuanced and like uh i feel like there's so much more to them than relationships between men uh like two men Mm. uh will have an issue kind of resolve it very quickly it's all very matter of fact or whatever (laughs) things are much more simple whereas two girls you can be having a conversation but there can be complete subtext happening and like just you know one girl looks at the other girl in a certain way and then you know it's like, what the fuck did that bitch mean when she looked at, like, at me that way? Why is it so much more catty and intense and 
I think layered. we're more complicated. We're just more complicated thinkers. And we're more complicated emotionally. We're more emotionally attuned, maybe. But why is there like an idea? Sometimes do you ever feel like, cause I remember in elementary school even, or like sometimes with certain friends even now, where I'll feel like, if I go, if I get up to leave the table, I'm afraid they're going to talk badly about me. We're girlfriends of mine that I've had for a long time where I feel like, I mean, not so much anymore because I feel like I, but, uh, but there are definitely relationships I have with other women where I'm like, I love them and I believe they love me, but I feel like there's a cattiness that exists and it's a, it's something specific to women. And is it because we're, I think we're also pitted against each other our whole lives, like in the media, like the movies we watch, the TV shows, like the way we're raised, like we are raised super subconsciously and maybe overtly at times actually to see each other as competition and in so many fields there's only x number of spots for a female employee like there is a glass ceiling there fucking is and it sucks and i want to work against it and i am but we compete for a few given slots in any field i i really believe um that's why i love the strip club because it is super the female gaze. When guys come in, there's so many of us just sitting there on the couch. They get scared. Like there's one or two guys walks in. They're like, I need a drink. I try to talk to them. They're like, oh, they get nervous because it's the females seeking out the males and selling dances and hustling them. And we really have the power in there and we can throw them out if we want and whatever. And like most places, it's like the male gaze, like the female secretary. Like it, it is still to this day, sadly and unfortunately. So we have to like, what do we do against each other? So what do we do to change that? It's I don't know. And I do know. <laughs> but I, you know what? That's interesting because I know that if I get together the group of girls, a group of my girlfriends, and we walk into a room or whatever it is we're up to, it, it does feel really powerful to enter a room with a bunch of women. It does. What it is does. that? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I love that feeling. With, I've, a bunch of my, my, my girlfriends and all different shapes and sizes and beautiful in different ways. And we walk into a room because women hold the power because we, we make the babies. Why can't people just be nice to us? We really hold the power and that's what they're scared of. We hold the power. We're the womb. We really do. Do you think men ultimately just hate women? Like men and women just hate each other at a a, a core level. I think so. Do you think so? I do think so. I hate to say that, but I think maybe it's like the sexual pull a lot of time. That's talking about between like straight men and women. This is between, I'm talking about straight women and men. Yeah, I think there's like a weird sexual like thing. Like I want to fuck you, I hate you, but yeah. I got to pretend I like you and then the because women Because you are hold like... the power over me because you hold the sex and maybe you hold the love and we're scared of rejection and it's all that. It's like that carnal like thing. This I don't is know. making me not want to date. This is making me less no. sexual than I already was not feeling <laughs> sexual. Well, cuz it makes me feel like I don't know. I, I definitely, know. a lot of my female <laughs> friends that have been texting and we've been writing to each other and talking to each other this week. A lot of my female friends are like, guy tried to like make out with me in a bar last night. I told him not right now. Like they're all just feeling that toward men. Even with my boyfriend. They are? Oh yeah. A lot of my female friends who are very cute. And even my boyfriend, I was like resentful of him for a couple of days when he didn't do anything wrong. He went out of his way to be amazing. I'm actually. resentful of your, your boyfriend, a, a white guy. <laughs> He is. He's half Cuban, but Cuban and Jewish. But yes, he's who the hell does he think he is just to exist? (laughs) You think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything's been so great for you. Yeah, I was. I was kind of like I was being kind of mean to him that I'm like, you know what? He went out of his way to like do all these sweet things this this week because he knew I was sad. But I I've been talking to other female friends with like their boyfriends are like, yeah, like. He's being sweet. He's doing the best he can, but he doesn't get it. And like, it's hard because we're just struggling. I, I was like, 
maybe I should dump him. Then I'm like, that's crazy. He's been amazing to me. <laughs> like, Yeah, because of what he represents. And that's why it's actually f- nice to come at it with humor to be like talking. Yeah. Like, yeah. To yeah. Tell, he tell and I your joke boyfriend. about it. We joke about it. And like that definitely like humor is what I've always used to like cope with things. So it's good that so, we can joke about it. So what's up with your with your. Wait, oh, by the way. I want to ask you about your stand-up comedy, and I do want to land this gosh darn plane, mm-hmm. but would you, do you think there's a difference between, or is it just a choice, a difference between, like, doing porn and dancing? Because one, one seems more performance, the other seems like you've got to be okay with, like, receiving, like, actually, mm-hmm. like, giving your, your body to a thing. I, don't, I wouldn't be, I'd be into stripping. I, wouldn't, I don't think I could do porn or or. Uh, or prostitution just because I feel like that's the one thing I want to keep my sexual experience uh, of letting some man's private into my private I want that mm-hmm. to be uh, not about money or, or a financial exchange and I want to keep that to myself as opposed to like performing or using you know what I mean so I know what do you you, I know exactly what you mean I've definitely been asked this before and I there is like this weird separation between like stripping slash dancing and then escorting and, and doing porn because there is like more like when you're a stripper, you're like kind of hustling them. But when you're doing porn or escorting, maybe it's, it feels a little more mutual when it's still not. Um, what I what I've always respond to this is how I always say is like I I'm not opposed to doing porn or escorting because I've definitely considered both at different times in my life and different situations I've been in. I have not done it. I do not judge anyone who does it. In fact, I applaud them because I always I want to get to the level of self-comfort as the porn stars and the escorts I know because they're definitely not like just sad, disenfranchised people. They're like very smart with it, healthy people. The and so like I just see that as a level of self comfort and self love that and and um confidence that like I aspire to be like so maybe one day if I ever just like really get to that place emotionally because it's not always like it's not what people think like having sex for money like like it's not like oh I just I feel so abused and used like a lot of those women are just like I mean honestly like I, me personally I've had sex with lots of guys I didn't really want to fuck. So- for, for validation for their their happiness for them to like me and one like for drugs like I don't know I just like I did it because I was like fucked up and I was like I need someone to like tell me I'm pretty or like and so I'm like having sex for money it doesn't seem as invasive as I, I think people like look at it as like we've all done it to people please or to validate ourselves not all of us but a lot of us I have so I don't really see having sex for money as a bad thing at all I think like when you say have like yeah of course I've had sex with people where I'm like ooh whoops if I hadn't had that sixth drink I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't have woken up with this guy or if I yeah. hadn't been in a weird mood and he had hadn't tried twenty other times over the course of the year to try to get me into bed and he got me in a week night yes um, yes oh so many of you those. know oh, yeah. so men, many men of are those. so I have, I have guy friends so like that many. where they they keep trying keep trying keep trying and I go no no I'm sorry I'm not feeling and then it. one and night and then one night they catch me in a weird night and I'm like you know what. Well, you've been here all the. I've been trying so hard, and I'm like, oh my god. But I think the, the, the takeaway is, oh my god, I've been there so many times, yeah. so many times. But the takeaway is like sometimes in those moments you don't know why you're saying yes because you go, oh, I was drunk or I was moody. But but that that comes after reflecting on it and kind of thinking about it. Oh, I was people pleasing, or I was just kind of weak and it wasn't my best self. Or if I could choose again, mm-hmm. I wouldn't choose it. So I think the goal is probably like whether you 
are paid to have sex or have sex with a guy, you know, where it has nothing to do with finances or anything, it's always like, am I coming at this from a, is it my choice? Is it my best self deciding to do this? Am I not coming at it from a place of like needing validation or fear or cluttered brain because of alcohol or drugs or whatever or, you know, so as long as it's like a conscious, but it isn't always a conscious choice. Sometimes it is out of fear, like I need money. I'd rather not do this. You know, like I don't want to do this, but I need money and I'm fearful and I fucking, you know what I mean? I'm sure that exists sometimes, but there's so many happy, yeah, I'm with you. Happy sluts is what we we call it. Do we like the word sluts too? Is that, oh yeah, like it's it's reclaimed. Um, Jack the Stripper, like she's like a big, she's written a book about stripping. She's like famous on the internet. She's a stripper. Jack Jack the Stripper? Jack the Stripper. Her name's Jackie. She's like this hot blonde lesbian in New York and she's a stripper and she's incredible. And she started like a whole like following of happy sluts and that's what we call it. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of happy porn stars I know. And I realized in knowing them on a personal level and also seeing their work, it's like, oh, yeah, they're just good at sex. That's their trade. Like, our bodies are our tools, kind of like how a construction worker has, like, a jackhammer or something. That sounds really sexual. but Yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm like, fine. our bodies are our tools. Like, some of us are just good at sex, and that's our trade. Like, my porn star friends, like, that's what they enjoy doing. That's, that's what great. they're good at doing, like, for a camera, you know? And, like, with me with, like, dances, lap dances, like, flirting, that's, like, my trade. Like, yeah. my body's my tool. And that's how I see sex work. But that's, yeah, and that's upon everybody. That's your decision to do that if you want mm-hmm. to. And it's not my business to be like, oh, my God. She's like, <laughs> that to me, that's a fucked up way of being. It's to judge somebody else. Like, cool, then I don't have to do it. If I don't want to do it, don't yeah. do it. If you're going to do it, fuck, awesome, great, yeah. do your thing. Um, what's up with comedy for you? Um, I've been um, I doing more shows. I've actually I'm just writing a book right now, so that's eating up a lot of my time, which is amazing. And uh, personally, I'm just trying to get this thing written before Trump like ruins this country and arrests me for my words. I swear, I'm like okay, just trying to pump it out now because. I don't know. I just don't trust the freedom of any of us writers right now. So just trying to pump that out. Really? Yeah. After oh, my God. column. So I'm writing writing a book. So I'm doing less shows. I'm doing the shows I'm booked on. I'm doing less like open mics. I'm just really trying to write a lot right now and get that pumped out. And then what about where can everybody see this? Uh, you on Girls Talk? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's I linked it in um, my Instagram bio to the Girls Talk documentary. My Instagram is at Casey Coop, K-A-S-E-Y, K-O-O-P. When can we see you at Cheetahs? How often do you perform? I'm there like three nights of the week, kind of random nights. Um, Yeah. Casey Coop, you can find her at Cheetahs. On Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, What what do you want people, is there anything to make sure, like if young girls are listening to you or bonehead men, men, (laughs) men, or, uh, or, you know, woke dudes or like <laughs> is there anything you just feel like oh this is not being said enough i just want people to know this like this infuriates me like please god there's no. so many things but the only thing i can think is uh, your sound off right now ugh, i say it girl too much it's too much but i i actually did just get a video my most current video of my stand-up from an awesome show i did the other night and i'm gonna post that on youtube today so just look me up on youtube because i feel like in my comedy i say a lot more than i could in this moment on the spot. I'm sorry. So, no, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna post that video today because it's my most current stand up video and I'm really proud of it and I think it exhibits my best work. And so watch me on YouTube. And we will. And I I feel like you embody uh like such a beautiful thing in the way I feel like people should be and the way that I want to be, which is like <sighs> not judgmental, curious, loving, 
and uh, and kind. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just Thanks. like I'm just gonna do what I can yeah. in my life. Where I talk to women and I talk to yes. people of color, and I yes. if I make a movie, I'm gonna hire. Uh, just gonna make it as diverse as possible, and and just make make the way I live my life the way I want the world to be. You know, because yes, like, what else can you do? You know, and I'm, no, and, totally. It starts and, within. It sounds corny, but it starts within. And your we, actions and how you interact with the community. But go on. Oh yeah, well no, me and my I have a mentor. We and my mentor talk. You have about a mentor. That. I want a I do. fucking mentor. <laughs> She's amazing. God, just it starts within. You have to like build self love, self care, and like complete acceptance of all your quirks and your true self and your voice and your opinions and then from there it emanates out through your art through the way you interact with people and then if each individual really found that place within themselves I think the world would function a lot better than it is right now yeah. and like if, if people really found self love and self acceptance and health and like mental health and wellness I think we we could like emanate that through our work you know and to each other so that's my only hope right now and like you said just in our art yeah Oh. <laughs> oh man, I feel great about this. I can't wait to come see you dance. Yeah, yeah, come, come. Um, well, um, I hope you don't regret doing this. No, I'm I really happy. Hope you had a good time. <laughs> Aristotle, did you enjoy it? Aristotle had a great time as well. Thank you for talking to me. Thanks, girl. Bye. Bye. Now leaving nerdist.com.